0: Find out what it is you can bring to the party and go deep. If you have a way of structuring a contract that would be interesting to a team because you've studied X, Y, Z, because you've looked at their cap, you looked at all these contracts, yeah, get into that. Write about it, blog about it, do something about it. So when you have that opportunity, you are way ahead of the game. boys and girls welcome to a holiday edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt I'm your host Andrew Brandt we're presented as always by DraftKings that music you hear is from my son Sam Brandt who as you hear this I'm with on a week away I'll explain that more in a minute and we have a different kind of podcast today Uh, you guys have been introduced to our new producer in the Ross Tucker football podcast his name is Jack Connell smart efficient proud of having this young guy work with us Jack's going to ask me some questions today. So we're going to have a sort of a back and forth interview of Andrew Brandt today. A couple football questions as we head towards the end of the year and playoffs. A couple of maybe business football questions, but we'll get into some personal stuff because I get a lot of questions about my schedule, about balancing things, about a book, about advice for young people, all those kind of things. And this would be a good time to do it. Uh, We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon during the football season, and I'm headed out this week, so on the road as we head into Christmas. So I hope you guys are enjoying your holiday special podcast today. Jack Connell interviews me, all different topics as we get into this. So let's settle in, have some fun with this special kind of podcast. Probably the last one I did like this was early summer where I had my students from Villanova, interview me and go through some things all kinds of things this is a good time to revisit again try to do it at least twice a year so welcome to the pod some of you know from ross's podcast welcome jack
1: how's it going andrew we'll start i have a quick question as we're wrapping up week 15 in the nfl what are your thoughts on the nfl season so far who do you how's like it? so far and mvp candidates playoff candidates all that sort of stuff
0: such a strange year uh, and I'll start right away with the team I get identified with all the time. Three teams are down this year, ANFC teams that we all thought would be top of the game again, as they've been the past five years Bucks, Rams, and Packers. So when I look at this year, I sort of start at the negative because we're used to those teams leading their divisions. We're used to those teams being in the playoff hunt and the Super Bowl hunt especially from the NFC. So what it has happened is created this massive void among top teams. And as we know, again, we're talking NFC here, the Eagles have entered that void and taken hold of it and grabbed it by the throat. I think it's just fascinating that the perfect storm has developed for the Eagles. And I know you and I, Jack and Ross, are all in the, in the Philadelphia area. I sit here talking to you probably two blocks away from the home of Howie Roseman, who is the general manager. He's probably going to be executive of the year. It's all hit for them. And so when I start talking about the NFL this season, it's like it's the Eagles year and we're all just living in it. They're, they're just, they're when they don't play well, they win. When they play well, they blow out teams. And their one loss was, they could have won that in 10 different ways. It was a flugy loss to the commanders. So I just think, Getting to the chase, cutting to the chase of the NFL season, and now we're all NFC talk, I realize. It's the Eagles' world, and we're all just living in it. As we sit here today, they just won, Cowboys lost. They basically have the division, they basically have the number one seed with three weeks left. So, what we're looking at is two late January games at uh, Lincoln Financial Field to go to the Super Bowl. That's it. So, When you talk NFC, that's what it comes down to. The Eagles have to win two home games in bad weather to get to the Super Bowl on their home turf with that crazy crowd. I'd take the odds there. AFC, much harder to predict. It just seems like the Bills and Chiefs keep going back and forth and making you ask, are they really all that? The Chiefs squeaked out today against the Texans. I know the Texans have given some teams trouble, but if you're really elite, are you having trouble with the Texans? Well, I guess they are. And the Bills have had trouble with some lowly teams. And Josh Allen will make some head-scratching throws. Pat Mahomes will make some head-scratching throws. But do you trust anyone else? Do you trust the, the Dolphins? Do you trust the Jets? Do you trust the Chargers? It's hard. Do you trust the Bengals? Sometimes, not all the time. So much more unpredictable, In the AFC, even though it always seems like Bills and Chiefs will get to the finals, I'm not so sure about that. I do have a strong belief the Eagles will be playing the Super Bowl. As to who they're playing, I don't know. I almost give the Chargers as good a chance as Chiefs and Bills because those teams are so unpredictable. Um, And the Bengals. So I, I do think it's wide open in the AFC. But in terms of this season in the NFL, it has been this miraculous season for the league, where everything seems close. We just mentioned that the the Texans, everything's close. The Bears, they stay close but lose. Texans stay close but lose. Um, and then the magical season for the Eagles. So again, that's where we sort of, I sort of land with this crazy NFL season.
1: Do you have an MVP? We talk about. I mean, oh, yeah. we kind of mean to talk about teams, even MVP. That sticks out in mind, or a group of guys.
0: Yeah, it's weird. The MVP is sort of. I guess it's kind of like the Heisman Trophy. You have to be the best or one of the best teams, and you have to be a quarterback. I mean, it's, that's pretty simple. What it is. So I think by default, Hurts uh, is a is a extreme favorite because they're going to be at least a game or two clear of the rest of the league, you know, depending on if they give away the last game or whatever. Um, it's going to be hard not to give it to Jalen Hurts. And uh, who's the, who would have thought that the Eagles were there, you know, they had basically no holes on the roster except a question mark at quarterback. And that has been answered resoundingly with no question mark at all. So I'd have to give it to him. Um, And, you you know, if you're giving it to to the best team, then you have to sort of go down the line. Sirianni, coach of the year, Roseman, executive of the year. And I don't know what, you know, how you make cases elsewhere for those kind of things. Um, Yeah, that's where I am.
1: Now, you mentioned them initially, but what were your thoughts on the Packers season so far? What do you think they go from there, this offseason and the years beyond?
0: As everyone knows, listening, reading, hearing me all the time, still a Packers fan. Those dead, those, those allegiances die hard. And as you, as you could hear the first part of this podcast, have somewhat of an allegiance to the Eagles, too. I, I live here and I um, consulted with them back in the Andy Reid days. But anyway, uh, it's tough as a Packers fan to see those losses earlier this year, a lot of them because those are the games they usually win, and those are the games Aaron Rodgers and the team pulls out, and it just didn't happen this year. It's these are snowball things in sports; it happens all the time. You know, it's happening on the positive side for teams like the Eagles this year, and on the negative side for teams like we just talked about, Bears, uh, Texans, and then of course the Packers. A lot of games. 50-50 games, if you call them, like a 50-50 pass. Uh, and they just don't come away with it. It's been frustrating. I will say this, and I know uh, my bias is going to come out here, Jack, like it always does about the Packers. I think there's I think there's a bright future. Uh, the quarterback is a separate question. But they have two receivers that look really strong for the future. One has that incredible speed in Watson that's going to be a game-breaker as long as he stays healthy and Dobbs was the early season surprise. Now he's going to come back. And of course they have always drafted well, and they have some young talent that that, that they've locked up like Alexander. Um, So I think, again, getting back to these three teams that have this miraculously bad performance all in the same year coming in as favorites in all their divisions, the Rams and the Bucks. I would take the Packers' future. Over that of the Rams and the Bucks, I know I'm biased. I know it, but if I look at the Bucks and I look at the Rams, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, there, there's not much there. So let's take the quarterback issue aside. There's just not much there, and I don't see Brady back on the Bucks, and I see Stafford back on the Rams only because of his contract. Um, you know, I think he's declining health wise. Rogers, who knows, Jack? I mean, your guess is as good as mine, and I should know because I know him, but I haven't talked to him in a long time. I think it's 50-50 whether he walks away or not. Um, the, other 50, the other 50 is probably 30% stays, 20% traded. Um, so, I, yeah, I know everyone's going to ask me about the financial impact. We can get to that after the season. But if I'm handicapping Aaron Rodgers, based on what I've seen, what I've seen from him in the past couple of years, and how thoughtful and introspective he is about this time of his career, I think it's 50, 50% he walks away, 30% he stays, 20% he's traded. And I think the Packers want to get to Jordan Love. Now, wanting to get to Jordan Love is not the same as wanting to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. I get it. But it's been three years. Aaron sat for three years, the longest anyone's ever sat at that position in the modern era. And you've got to, you know what, or get off the pot with Jordan Love. And I just think they've got to get to him. Now, how do they get out gracefully and financially with Aaron Rodgers? That's a great question. And we'll do a whole podcast on that once the season's over. But I think it's very likely Brady's not a buck and likely Aaron's not a Packer.
1: Now, my next question is sort of steering directions here. I know you're a very busy man. Everyone who listens to this show knows you're a very busy man. How do you balance everything that you do, just on a daily basis, time management, all of that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm in this third stage of my career. Um, I've talked about the three chapters of my career. One was being an agent, representing players, Uh, For people who listen and want to get into that, it's no secret. It's a tough job. Uh, Agents are on the non-leverage end of of the business. What I mean is agents have to grovel and cater to young people who have all the cards. Because if you lose them, they'll sign with someone else. If you don't do what they want, they'll sign with someone else. There's so few players for so many agents, especially so few players that make significant amounts of money, especially in football. So it's a tough job, but I did it. I'm glad I did it. It was a great experience for a young guy. Second chapter of the career on the management side, two, two stops, one in Barcelona, and then, of course, a decade with the Green Bay Packers. More secure than being an agent, uh, but again, more beholden where your fortunes are determined by 17 weeks a year, and you live and die with that, and it's very consuming Uh, This chapter of the career is media and academia. And what I wanted to do, and I hope I've done the past 11 years, is really uh, give back. And I say this all the time. I can't give back by, you know, creating a vaccine or curing cancer. All I can do is provide the knowledge and experience that I have to to an audience. So that audience is listeners. That audience is readers. That audience is TV viewers. And that audience is students. And that's what I've been trying to do. I love it. Uh, It's my favorite chapter of my career because even with all the things I'm doing, I can manage my time. Most of the time I can determine my schedule. I can live life pretty much on my terms. So to take the listeners through a sort of an average day for me, I get up early. And again, I don't, I don't think everyone needs to be as quote unquote Zen as I am. But when I get up, no social media, no browser, no phone, nothing. I try to make sure that in the 45 minutes to an hour from opening my eyes, none of that. It's this kind of Zen time. Sometimes I'll put on some background music, whether it's kind of uh, easy listening music or jazz, no, no vocals, and I'll write. And I think the most important thing is to do the hard stuff the first thing in the day. Not that it's hard, but writing is harder than talking. Writing is harder than reading. Writing is hard. What do I write? Sometimes I'm writing my newsletter, which comes out every Sunday. Sometimes I'm writing my column for Sports Illustrated, A Business of Football column that comes out every other week, sometimes every week. Sometimes I'm writing a journal. Sometimes I'm writing some uh, assignments for school or grading. So I'm always doing that first because if I'm most efficient, my brain is most open. That's how I do that. That's the hard stuff. Once I get that out of the way, maybe I'll start to read uh, some, some internet. Maybe I'll open my email. Um, Once I get through some of that, then Only then will I look at social media. Now, it's not because I feel like I'm going to be triggered. I'm beyond that. I'm too old to, I don't get triggered by social media. But it's more that that's kind of jumpy, right? Social media is kind of jumpy. It's kind of, you know, a squirrel brain stuff. Oh, look at here. Look over here. Oh, wait, over here. And I I don't want to live like that. So I will check it out and I'll tweet. I'll do kind of a burst of tweets sometime in the morning and then get away. And then another thing I want to make sure I get in, so I do it in the morning, is exercise. I'm very into fitness. I'm very into personal health. I'll run, I'll bike, I'll Peloton, I'll lift, I'll do whatever and get that out of the way in the morning. And if I can, I'll schedule all my other stuff for the afternoon, which means calls, meetings, Zooms, recording this podcast, because afternoon is my time for sort of reactive time morning reflective, afternoon reactive. Now, again, it all, all sometimes it doesn't work. When I have meetings, people can only meet in the morning. I understand that. But in terms of getting all my stuff done, so then I have to balance media and academia. Some weeks, I'm doing a lot of radio, TV, in addition to my podcast, my newsletter, my column, that's a lot. So it's more heavily media than academia. Other weeks, a lot of school stuff, a lot of meetings, a lot of grading exams, which is coming up for me next week. That's more academia. But generally, I'm probably 50-50, 50% media, 50% academia. And I make sure to sort of get the hard stuff out of the way in the morning and be, react, be able to react in the afternoon. And then maybe in the evening, if I have some time, I'll do some more writing. I'll do some more reading. Uh, but that works for me. And I tell people all the time in managing your time, try to get the hard stuff done first. Try not to be reactive to media, social media. Sometimes the one thing I think, Jack, is I think people spend too much time on news. Like news is the same, whether you watch it five minutes a day or a hundred minutes a day, I mean, it's the same. And I know people sit in front of whether it's CNN or Fox news or MSN, like, come on, or even Twitter, like, It doesn't change. So I tell people, like, get away from that. You know, if you want to listen to a five-minute newscast or watch a half-hour newscast a day, great. But, or even SportsCenter, but just get away from it. You know, do stuff. Get away from the sort of passive aspect of, of information and get after it with more of an active aspect. I'll get back to more questions in a minute with you, Jack. I do want to give a word from our sponsor, Masterworks. It's an interesting idea. I really do do uh, admire these people at Masterworks. Just think about if you're a young athlete, you got a millionaire, you're long, you're you're young, you're living life, but you got to think about what are going to be your investments. You see, rookies get wealth advisors, you get teams around them, and they invest about things that we can only dream about. But some of those investments aren't good. Some of those are just kind of, you know, we just saw the whole, thing, the whole crypto crash with FTX. But this is different. Multi-million dollar paintings. This is legit. Uh, contemporary art has outpaced even the S&P 500, the most important stock market index in the world for the last 26 years. Not by little, but by 131%. So when inflation is high as it is now, it's one of the only three assets to appreciate, and it does at seventeen and a half percent a year. How do you start getting into the art world? Well, you don't have millions. You do it by masterworks. You can invest in multi-million dollar works of art from artists like Picasso, Basquiat, Banksy. It's got five hundred ninety thousand users, six hundred and fifty million invested. We've talked about MASHWorks the last few months. These are legit SEC qualified offerings. You can even find their filings at sec.gov. They've got nine sales to date, seven this year. The most recent painting they sold it was late November. It got a 14% net return. Brings their last three sales to 13, 17, 21, and 33% net returns. There's so much demand. They're just adding at least a painting a week. The paintings sell out literally the shares in minutes. So you got to get special access. We'll give you that. Go to masterworks.com. Use promo code BOS. That's promo code BOS for business sports at masterworks.com. You can get in on these incredible paintings where people are trying, but this is a special access. Go to masterworks.com. Use my promo code BOS.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. The next one, you kind of talked about it with your day to day sort of schedule. I mean, what would you define success as for you or just in general?
0: Success is a few things. One, I think success is relating exactly to the last question. That's one definition, which is kind of doing what you want when you want with who you want. Um, When people reach a level where they have had a career, that they've had some success, some financial success. um, Then they're able to do this when they feel like they're not worried about the next thing or the next thing and the next thing, doing what you want to do when you want to do it with who you want to do it with thats success. Definition number two is what I mentioned before, living life on your own terms, not someone, not your boss's terms, not someone who's in a nemesis's terms something like that. Number three, not want, these are all related, not wanting. I think a lot of people, they live life wanting the next big car, the next nice house, the next boyfriend, girlfriend, the next spouse, the next whatever. If I, if I get this, I'll be fine. If I get this watch, if I go to the Tahiti trip, you know, it's like not wanting is success. You know, you can have all the money and friends in the world, but if you want something else, that's not good. And then the final definition of success, uh, I'm going to bring in my kids because I heard this from, I think it was maybe Warren Buffett or or one of these sage billionaires who you would think would answer something very differently because of all the money they've made and all the success and investments. But it's very simple and it resonates with me and maybe it'll resonate with you, Jack, towards your parents, which is success is having your adult children want to spend time with you. Like, that's big. And I live my life probably too much, (laughs) I'll admit, just going to see my adult children. I am an empty nester, although I've got two dogs, so I'm really not out of the nest. Um, I've got one son in Dallas and one son in L.A., And I spent a lot of time and I think they like spending time with me and my wife. So this is nice. You know, when you, you know what, I heard a stat that 80% of parents' time with children is before they leave for college. 80% of their lives with their kids is before they leave for college. So that leaves 20% once, once these kids turn 18, 19, that's a, that's a small number. So if you can buck those odds, the kids are the most important thing in anyone's lives. And, um, having your adult children want to spend time with you, that's success.
1: That's a great point there. I mean, going back on another thing you mentioned earlier, talking about how you spend a lot of your mornings just writing. Do you ever see yourself writing a book, what that book would be about or anything along those lines?
0: Yeah, I mean, everyone asks me this. And uh, when I first left the Packers, probably about ten years, eight, nine, ten years ago, a publisher did want a book about the Packers. They were willing to pay me a decent amount of advance, but they wanted more tell-all. You know, they wanted some tell all about Brett and about Aaron and the whole messy divorce. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Um, Yes, I do think about a book and I have a block. I'll admit it here to be my psychologist. (laughs) My block is it's just too big because what I've become adept at is bite sized writing bite size meaning columns, not that that's bite-sized. My columns are sometimes 1,500, 2,000 words. Or newsletters, they can also be 1,500 words. Or journal entries or writing for school, whatever. But they tend to be these bite-sized items. When I look at a book of 80,000 words, 100,000 words, I'm like, oh, my God, no. It just sort of punches me in the mouth and says, I don't want to do that. But I know from talking to other people that write books, don't look at it like that. Look at it as this, this page, this chapter, and, and go at it. I will. I'm saying this on my podcast. I will one day do this. I could do a, a few different types of books. I could do the, what I talked about in my career, three chapters, sort of the media. I'm sorry, the agent side, the team side, and the media academia side. My thoughts on each, my experiences, my stories, my life lessons, hopefully lessons to learn from that. I could do a textbook for my sports law and sports business classes. I've thought about that. Again, more academic, though. Um, I could do a Packers book, you know, which would probably be extremely popular in a certain area of the country. Uh, I don't know about mainstream. We'll think about it. It's not on the horizon. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Once I stop doing newsletters, which I really enjoy doing, it's kind of a labor of love. My newsletter every week because it gets me a way to touch on a lot of topics I wouldn't touch on either all the time in the podcast or even on the columns. Or so that's something. Um, when I get time, when I'm not doing columns and newsletters anymore, they'll come a day. While focus on the book. So the answer is yes. I can't tell you when.
1: So I guess the last question I really have here to sort of wrap things up, what would your advice for any young person, young adult, trying to get in the business from any of your businesses, you've been in agency, media, or team?
0: It's a great question. It's one I get all the time. And by the way, I get a lot of young people reaching out. They find me through however they find me and ask, you know, can I have time with you? Can I talk about and I just don't have the time because if I, if I did it for one, i have to do it for hundreds. Um, best advice I can say is an obvious one. How do you make yourself different with all the young people and professionals switching careers, trying to get into the sports business? It's no secret how competitive that is. How do you make yourself different? So find a way, find a way to differentiate yourself and here's a way, get deep, right? Go deeper than the average young person. You you know, if someone says to me, I want to work for a team, I'm like, that doesn't help. You know, I don't, I don't, that that means nothing. What do you want to do? Uh, I want to work in marketing. Nah, what do you want to do? <laughs> I want to work in PR. Nah, what do you want to do? I want to work for salary cap. No, why do you want to work for salary cap? Because it sounds cool. No, that's not good. Find out what it is you can bring to the party and go deep. If you have a way of structuring a contract that would be interesting to a team because you've studied XYZ, because you've looked at their cap, you looked at all these contracts. Yeah, get into that. Write about it. Blog about it. Do something about it. So when you have that opportunity, you are way ahead of the game. If you have an interest in something, podcast, do anything. I met a kid the other day. He's like, yeah, I do this podcast on this stuff and only 30 people listen. I said, hey, you're out of the game. You got 30 people listening. All these other young people trying to get in, they don't have anything. So write about it. When I ha- hear from young people wanting to get into the business, I want to see a writing sample. What have you done? You blogged? Have you written about it? Have you done a podcast about it? What, what separates you? It's like when people say, I want to be an agent. I'm like, why do you want an agent? Well, it sounds like a fun job. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm a player. You're my, you want to be my agent. Why would I sign with you? Right? Then you get people thinking about, oh, you know, it's not just, I have good grades and I love sports. That's not going to be, that's going to work. How do you separate yourself? And I know for young people, it's hard, but find a way, find a way. Loving sports is great, but it doesn't help much. When I was in Green Bay, the woman that helped me with the salary cap came from a trucking company, Schneider Trucking. She didn't know the difference between a football and a basketball when she came in. She was great. She did exactly what I needed. She took all the information from the NFL, sent out every night in Microsoft uh, Access, I think, and she collated it so I could read it every morning. It would be up on our cap board what each team did overnight. And that's what I need. She's a data analyst. I didn't need a sports fan. Now, being a sports fan helps to enjoy jobs like these, but you have to fill a skill and take work off a boss's plate. My best advice for young people is be earnest. And what does earnest mean? Earnest means willing to tackle anything with a smile on your face and have no entitlement. No entitlement. The gruntiest of grunt work, fine. No complaints. No. That's how people get impressed. My son is a manager for a basketball team. He does laundry middle of the night. He cleans up jocks. off. The, he does whatever. He rebounds whenever they call. And he has impressed the people there with his work ethic. Never complains. Picks up people in the middle of the night in the airport just because. So... This is what people have to do is show their earnest. They want to work. They don't care about credit. They don't care about grunt jobs. Um, That impresses people. And the last thing I'll say, Jack, is if you have an opportunity to to interview, show passion. I'm not talking about fake energy, passion. Like, you love this stuff. You're not just talking about it because you're trying to get a job. You love it. Right. And I see that, you know, when people talk to me about wanting to get into sports or this area of sports that they like, you can see it. They're just passionate. And when that, even if it's talking about your team, show that passion. If you're a Mets fan or you're Chargers, show it. And it doesn't even have to be about sports. I had a woman I interviewed and she's kind of a bland interview. And I'm, I see at the bottom of her resume, she worked with developmentally challenged kids in the summer and I'm like, tell me about that. And then she lit up. Then I saw passion. And I'm like, okay. I told her. I said, I don't have a job, but be that way. With whatever you do, be the way you talked about those kids. You'll go far. People want to see it. So that's my best advice. I know it's tough. Uh, the right place, right time is something people don't want to hear, but. Usually when you make your own opportunity, when you have right place, right time, you've already made opportunities for yourself by working hard and being around people and letting them know who you are. I think that is all the
1: questions that we really have for today's episode. As we wrap things up, Andrew, thank you for answering everything. I'll let you wrap things up as you so beautifully do each episode.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Jack. I hope people really enjoy this. Uh, Different kind of podcasts as we get towards the end of the year. One more podcast uh, after this, we'll have a year-end wrap-up in the last week of the year. But I always enjoy get, giving you this stuff. You can follow me Instagram. I do reels every day. Uh, Andrew Brandt, too. Of course, my Twitter, Andrew Brandt. Newsletter, andrew-brandt.com is where you sign up. If you haven't already, every Sunday morning delivered right to your inbox. Thanks to you, Jack. Thanks to my musical producer, my son, Sam, who, as you listen to this, I'm probably with this week. And then if you have comments, if you have rankings, we really appreciate it. Apple, Spotify, whatever. you're, Give us good, good ranking, if you would. And, of course, share this podcast with a friend. Hope you find it interesting, informative, entertaining, and unique. I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.